Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about tuberculosis. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash TB or in the infectious diseases section of the second edition of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. Tuberculosis or TB is an infectious disease caused by mycobacterium tuberculosis which is a small rod-shaped bacteria or a bacillus. The tuberculosis bacteria are very slow dividing and have high oxygen requirements which makes them difficult to culture in a lab. The bacteria also has a waxy coat that makes gram staining ineffective. The bacteria are resistant to the acids that are used in the staining procedure and this is described as being acid-fast, which makes them acid-fast bacilli. Special staining is required using the Xyle-Nielsen stain, which turns them bright red against a blue background. A Tom tip, a common exam question involves a patient with a chronic cough and night sweats. Sputum culture grows acid-fast bacilli that stain red with Xyle-Nielsen staining. These keywords are worth remembering so that you can spot tuberculosis in your exams. Multi-drug resistant TB are strains that are resistant to more than one TB drug, for example isoniazid and rifampicin, which makes them difficult to treat. Let's talk about the disease course. Tuberculosis is mostly spread by inhaling saliva droplets from infected people. Once in the body, there are several possible outcomes. Immediate clearance of the bacteria, which happens in most cases. Primary active tuberculosis, which is an active infection after exposure. Latent tuberculosis, which is the presence of bacteria without being symptomatic or contagious. Or secondary tuberculosis, which is reactivation of latent tuberculosis to an active infection. When the immune system cannot control the infection, disseminated and severe disease can develop, referred to as miliary tuberculosis. Latent tuberculosis is present when the immune system encapsulates the bacteria and stops the progression of the disease. Patients with latent tuberculosis have no symptoms and they cannot spread the bacteria. Most otherwise healthy patients with latent tuberculosis never develop an active infection. When latent tuberculosis reactivates and an infection develops, usually due to immunosuppression, this is called secondary tuberculosis. The most common site for TB infection is in the lungs, where it gets plenty of oxygen. Extrapulmonary tuberculosis refers to disease in other areas such as the lymph nodes, pleura, central nervous system, pericardium, gastrointestinal system, genitourinary system, bones and joints, or the skin, which is called cutaneous tuberculosis. A cold abscess describes a firm, painless abscess that's caused by tuberculosis, usually in the neck. These cold abscesses do not have the inflammation, redness and pain that you would expect from an acutely infected abscess. Let's go through the risk factors. 
The risk factors are close contact with active tuberculosis, for example in a household member, immigrants from areas with high tuberculosis prevalence, people with relatives or close contacts from countries with a high rate of TB, immunocompromised patients, for example HIV or immunosuppressant medications, malnutrition, homelessness, drug users, smokers and alcoholics. Next let's talk about the BCG vaccine. The Bacillus Calmet-Giran or BCG vaccine involves an intradermal injection of live attenuated or weakened Mycobacterium bovis bacteria which is a close relative of Mycobacterium tuberculosis but does not cause disease in humans. This creates an immune response which provides lasting immunity against tuberculosis without causing infection. The vaccine protects against severe and complicated TB but less against pulmonary TB. Before vaccination, patients are tested with the Mantau test and only given the vaccine if the test is negative. They're also assessed for the possibility of immunosuppression and HIV due to the risks related to live vaccines in these patients. The BCG vaccine is not part of the routine vaccination schedule in the UK. It's offered to patients at increased risk of TB, such as those from areas of high TB prevalence, those with close contacts with TB, for example family members, and healthcare workers. Next let's talk about the presentation. Tuberculosis typically presents with chronic, gradually worsening symptoms. In most cases, it involves pulmonary disease affecting the lungs, often with systemic symptoms. Typical signs and symptoms of tuberculosis include cough, hemoptysis or coughing up blood, lethargy, fever or night sweats, weight loss, lymphadenopathy, erythema nodosum, which are tender red nodules on the shins caused by inflammation of the subcutaneous fat, and spinal pain can suggest spinal tuberculosis, which is also known as POTS disease of the spine. Next let's talk about the investigations. Tuberculosis can be challenging to diagnose. The bacteria grow very slowly in a culture, cannot be stained with traditional gram stains, and they require specialist stains, for example the Zahl-Nielsen stain. There are two tests that look for an immune response to tuberculosis, which can be caused by previous infection, latent tuberculosis, or active tuberculosis. And those tests are the Mantau test and interferon gamma release assay, or IGRA. In patients where active disease is suspected, investigations to support the diagnosis include a chest x-ray and cultures. So let's talk in more detail about the Mantau test. The Mantau test involves injecting tuberculin into the intradermal space on the forearm. Tuberculin is a collection of tuberculosis proteins that are isolated from the bacteria. This injection does not contain any live bacteria. The injection creates a bleb under the skin. 
After 72 hours, the test is read, and this involves measuring the induration of the skin at the injection site. An induration of 5 millimeters or more is considered a positive result. This indicates an immune response to tuberculosis due to previous exposure. Next, let's talk in more detail about the interferon gamma release assays. Interferon gamma release assays involve mixing a blood sample with antigens from the Mycobacterium tuberculosis bacteria. After previous contact with tuberculosis, white blood cells become sensitized to the bacteria antigens and they will release interferon gamma on further contact with these antigens. A positive result is when interferon gamma is released during the test, when the blood sample is mixed with the tuberculosis antigens. Next, let's talk about chest x-rays. Primary tuberculosis may show patchy consolidation, pleural effusions and hilar lymphadenopathy on a chest x-ray. Reactivated tuberculosis may show patchy or nodular consolidation with cavitations, which are gas-filled spaces typically in the upper zones of the lungs on a chest x-ray. Disseminated miliary tuberculosis gives the appearance of millet seeds uniformly distributed across the lung fields. A tom tip for you, disseminated miliary tuberculosis gives a characteristic appearance of millet seeds on a chest x-ray, with many small 1-3 mm nodules disseminated throughout the lung fields. It's quite a characteristic appearance which makes it a popular spot diagnosis in exams, so it's worth becoming familiar with what it looks like on a chest x-ray. Next let's talk about cultures. Culture samples are ideally collected before starting treatment. This allows testing for drug resistance. However, cultures can take several months for the results to come back, so treatment is usually started whilst waiting for the culture results. There are several ways to collect cultures. Sputum cultures and three separate sputum samples are collected. Mycobacterium blood cultures which require a special blood culture bottle, and lymph node aspiration or biopsy. The NICE guidelines on tuberculosis from 2016 describe deep cough sputum samples. If they're not producing enough sputum, the options are sputum induction with nebulized hypertonic saline or bronchoscopy and bronchoalveolar lavage where saline is used to wash the airways and collect a sample. Next, let's talk about nucleic acid amplification tests. Nucleic acid amplification tests assess for the genetic material of a pathogen. To detect the tuberculosis DNA, the test is performed on a sample that contains the bacteria, for example, a sputum sample. It provides information about the bacteria faster than a traditional culture, including drug resistance. These tests are used for diagnosing tuberculosis in patients with HIV or if they're aged under 16. 
or for patients with risk factors for multi-drug resistance, where the results would alter management and the choice of tuberculosis treatment. So let's talk in detail about the treatment. Latent tuberculosis is treated with either isoniazid and rifampicin for three months or isoniazid for six months. Treatment for active tuberculosis can be remembered with the RIPE mnemonic. R for rifampicin for six months, I for isoniazid for six months, P for pyrazinamide for two months, and E for ethambutol for two months. A tom tip for you, remember that isoniazid causes peripheral neuropathy and pyridoxine or vitamin B6 is co-prescribed to help prevent this. An exam question might say the patient is started on RIPE, what else should be prescribed? And the answer would be pyridoxine or vitamin B6. Other management options to consider include testing for other infectious diseases such as HIV, hepatitis B and hepatitis C, testing contacts for tuberculosis, notifying the UK Health Security Agency of suspected cases, isolating patients with active tuberculosis to prevent spread, and usually they're isolated for at least two weeks of treatment. A specialist multidisciplinary team will guide management and follow-up, and individualised regimes are required for multidrug-resistant tuberculosis and extrapulmonary disease. In hospitals, negative pressure rooms are used to prevent airborne spread. Negative pressure rooms have ventilation systems that actively remove the air to prevent it from spreading out onto the ward. Finally, let's talk about the side effects of treatment. Rifampicin can cause red-orange discoloration of secretions, such as urine and tears. Rifampicin is also a potent inducer of the cytochrome P450 enzymes and reduces the effects of drugs that are metabolized by this system, such as the combined contraceptive pill. Isoniazid can cause peripheral neuropathy. Pyridoxine or vitamin B6 is co-prescribed with isoniazid to reduce this risk. Pyrazinamide can cause hyperuricemia, which is high uric acid levels, and this results in gout and kidney stones. Ethanbutol can cause colour blindness and reduced visual acuity. Rifampicin, isoniazid and pyrazinamide are all associated with hepatotoxicity or damage to the liver. A tom tip, a common exam question asks, this patient has recently started on treatment for tuberculosis, they notice this side effect. Which medication is most likely to be implicated? Numbness or unusual sensations in the feet implicates isoniazid. And I remember this with the mnemonic, I'm so numazid. Difficulty recognising colours implicates ethambutol. And I remember this with the mnemonic, I thambutol. 
urine or tears that are orange or red implicates rifampicin. And I remember this with the mnemonic redampicin. So thanks for listening to this episode on tuberculosis. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. And I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about HIV.